Hi, I'm Dr. Hannah Stoltz, founding director of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation. And this is the Integrate podcast in partnership with Resource Global and Up Next. We're here to have conversations about how to strategically and practically integrate faith and work. I'm here with Robin John, CEO of Eventide Asset Management, known for investing that makes the world rejoice. Welcome to the podcast, Robin. Thank you so much, Hannah. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Um, could you tell us, tell our audience in your own words, a little bit about your job and what you do? Yes, uh, investing that makes the world rejoice is really what I do. Uh, I am one of the co-founders of Eventide Asset Management, and it's a $6.5 billion asset manager. And we really focus on the same principles that you advocate for uh, in terms of stakeholder value creation for customers, employees, supply chains, host communities, environment, and society. And uh, so for us, it really starts with understanding the purpose of the businesses that we're seeking to invest in, what their products and services are, whether these products and services are good for the world or uh, extracting value. Are, are they creating value or extracting value? And the second component of that is really understanding management teams and servant leadership and uh, understanding whether the company's leadership really is intending to serve the world and the common good through their products and services. Yeah, you're definitely speaking my language, right? Um, I love the, the concepts of servant leadership. And I, I do think that if we're called to love neighbor, that includes so many different stakeholders. And so, you know, in my world as a supply chain professor, I'm always thinking not just about a focal firm or, you know, if, if we're consumers, a company that we're really excited about their brand and what they stand for. But the recognition that firms don't operate, companies don't operate in a silo, right? If, if a company like one of the companies I love is, is Giving Keys, right? I'm actually wearing a Giving Key necklace. You know, they, they make these keys. They have um, homeless people that work for them. They do a lot in labor in L.A. And it's really exciting. But you realize that that company is dependent on where they get their keys from and their upstream supply chain. So how do you navigate investing in companies with extended supply chains that might be global and that are really, take, you know, not taking advantage, but gaining advantages from sourcing other places in the world? Yeah. So for us, you know, everything comes down to the love your neighbor principle that we find in scripture. And uh, we believe that the supply chain is one of the neighbors uh, to the business that the business should serve and create value for rather than just simply seeking to extract value from that stakeholder. So it's one of our six stakeholders and we do put a lot of effort and research into how companies are interacting with and treating their supply chains. At Eventide, one of the stakeholders we're really focused on is the environment. And so uh, in order to really promote the, the, the principle of environmental stewardship, we were in, investing in the solar industry. And about two years ago, we learned about uh, what is happening in Western China with uh, the Uyghur people. It's in a, uh, a region called Xinjiang. And uh, the Uyghur people is an ethnic and religious minority group. And we learned that over a million Uyghurs were being uh, forced into slave labor and logged up in these concentration camps. And soldiers were basically living with their wives and raping them and torturing the men. And there was a, a re-education program 
mm-hmm. um, that was also instituted so that there was forced conversions out of Islam. And, you know, from an even type perspective, what can we do about this? Initially, it didn't feel like, okay, they felt so removed from our work. But then we learned that, that the solar supply chain was tainted with slave labor of these Uyghurs. And now it felt like these are our neighbors. Through investing and through business, the Uyghurs had become our neighbors. So we asked ourselves, how can we love these neighbors of ours? And we started engaging uh, with solar supply companies. And we basically told them there's slave labor within your supply chain from the mining of the metallurgical polysilicon to the creation of the cells, the wafers, the ingots, all the way to the solar panels. We found slave labor and we addressed it with the companies. We started working with others in the industry as well. But ultimately, we told the companies either change your supply chain practice or we have to divest. And we've had to divest from a number of companies, actually. So that's a very recent example where um, we were actually seeking to love a neighbor environment, Mm -hmm. a stakeholder, but then found an issue within the supply chain in the process and then had to divest from the company. Yeah, I love this example. I mean, it, it seems, you know, from my perspective, it's so easy for U.S. or Western companies to kind of export their bad behavior to other places in the world to get that cost advantage. And really, it's a lot of times it's labor that makes companies have these global supply chains. And it's really interesting in this story because it, it hits on all my favorite sustainability topics, right? You're looking to invest in, you know, kind of cause-based companies that, you know, solar is a very sustainable industry environmentally. And you're finding social sustainability issues within that supply chain. And I love this because it hits on all the components of ESG, which has kind of become the industry standard of, you know, environmental social governance. And, um, you know, as a Christian, when I look at it on paper, um, ESG seems to make sense. You know, it hits on those stakeholders that we care about. Um, Would you be okay talking about some of the, the challenges of ESG? I know we talked about this a little bit in past conversations. Just why, why is there so much pushback on it? And um, I think there's good in it, but there's also, we, we need to take a deeper look when we're looking at investing in good, you know, what, what I would call good companies. Yes. So ultimately, I think the pushback from the Christian community towards ESG is mostly due to differences in values, mm-hmm. right? So the values that the ESG space holds, there's a lot of overlap with Christian biblical values, then there's there's also areas where there's very strong differences. But that said, my biggest issue with ESG is that I don't think the ESG has a holistic framework for looking at business. So let me give you an example. A couple of years ago, uh, there's one of the largest ESG data providers um, was rating a company in our portfolio uh, at that time and by the way, this company has been bought out and the, parent, the company that bought them out still in that database has a lower ESG rating. Okay, and, and, and before I go any further, this company is seeking to cure lung cancer. Okay, mm-hmm. so this company has a lower ESG rating in that well-known database than Philip Morris International, the tobacco company that is creating lung cancer. Why is that? It's because the ESG... Um, world really, you know, favors certain factors such as water disclosure, water usage disclosure, um, diversity on the board. 
and a small company isn't checking off those boxes yet. Yeah. At the end of the day, at Eventide, we look holistically and say, is this company doing something good for the world? Is curing lung cancer a good thing? Is smoking a good thing? Right? If Philip Morris International is actually exploiting children in the poorest countries of the world, in Indonesia, Papua New Guinea, India, where I'm born, some, some of these countries, more than half of the children ages 13 to 15 are addicted to cigarettes. Right. 100 million people have died from tobacco use in the last 100 years. 1 billion people are expected to die in the next 100 years. So from our perspective, who cares if there's diversity? Who cares if, if they disclose water usage, if they're killing people? So yeah. I think Eventide has a very holistic framework of looking at whether the company is loving their neighbors, their stakeholders, and uh, we start with the product and service first. Yeah, I love this. And, and it is, you know, I think the, the danger of metrics, right, is that you choose some and you ignore others. And so it can become, you, you can lose that holistic kind of systems approach to it. I'd love to hear, um, before we kind of jump into your own story, um, who are the six stakeholders? We've talked about a couple of them, but I'd love to learn all six. Yeah. So you mentioned my story as well. So um, in 2007, I lost a job, but prior to that, I was praying for purpose mm -hmm. and I was just disillusioned with this idea of business. Uh, and I thought I needed to go into like full-time nonprofit type work. And I'm praying about that, that God would call me into something like that. And uh, in 2007, when I lost my job, I asked the co-founder of Eventide, Finney, uh, and a few others to pray with me. And the prayer was, what should Robin do with his life? Eventually, the prayer became, what can we do together to honor God and to, and to serve others? And ultimately, we, uh, you know, we started with nonprofit ideas. And then I remember saying to Finney, hey, Finney, I know how you invest your own money. You don't uh, invest in pornography and abortion. So there was a list of things that Finney avoided investing in. Mm -hmm. And I said to Finney, hey, Finney, do you think that other Christians would be interested in partnering with, with, with us if we started uh, a, an investment firm that avoided investing in ill-gotten gain. Proverbs chapter one, verses 10 to 19, talks about avoiding ill-gotten gain. And it says not to even share a purse with people that plunder and pursue ill-gotten gain. So, so, so we thought that would be our framework, avoiding ill-gotten gain. Around that time, uh, Finney and I and my brother had started a house church. And so this man walks into the house church, Tim, and Tim was a student of this, the concept of faith and business. I didn't know that about Tim. So Tim randomly Googled house churches in Cambridge, Massachusetts. He had never been to a house church in his life. He shows up at the house church and overhears Finney and I speaking about starting an investment firm and avoiding ill-gotten gain. So Tim said to us, that's a really good thing to do. You should avoid ill-gotten gain. But if you are allocating capital into businesses, what are the types of businesses that Christians should allocate capital to? Mm -hmm. So I think that's 
probably the, the most important question anybody has ever asked me within the history of Eventide. <laughs> and so we started praying through that. And then in Leviticus 19, the love your neighbor principle shows up. I believe that might be the first time in the Bible. I have to double, double check that. But in Leviticus 19, it speaks to business people. It speaks to farmers. It speaks to vineyard owners. It tells them how to treat the poor in their communities, their host communities, uh, how, how to treat their employees, the, um, their laborers, and goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. So we asked ourselves, who are all the neighbors to a business? And we came up with six neighbors, three internal neighbors, we call them stakeholders, three external stakeholders, customers, employees, supply chain, CES, communities or host communities, environment, and the broad society, CES external. So CES internal, CES external. So then we built a framework and a process by which we are assessing companies within that six stakeholder view, but then the framework is an avoid, embrace, engage framework. We want to avoid Ill, like tobacco, for example, mm -hmm. ill-gotten gain. We want to choose, you know, the Bible in Romans 12 says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. So yeah. really find the companies that are doing good things in the world and loving others through their work. And then when we find issues like the, the solar supply chain issue, engage companies to be better. And so there's an avoid, embrace, engage framework at Eventide. I love this. Thank you. Um, yeah, those those six stakeholders, you know, I hope all business students that, you know, graduate through programs like Wheaton's, you know, center program will understand that we have lots of neighbors. And in business, we have these stakeholder neighbors that we're really called to love. And it's interesting, Leviticus, you know, where that passage shows up, um, you know, it also talks about uh, what we do with the margin, which I like to call like our profit margin, you know, the margin around the fields of the farmers, the margin um, in the vineyards. And um, it was really, really God told you, you know, invest your margin or, you know, share your margin with the poor, like use that for gleaning, use that for um, investing in, you know, in the, in the, for the least of these. Right. And so what do you, and, and Finney, um, what do you do with your profits that also, you know, beyond just the asset management of Eventide, how do you invest what God's blessed you with in the least of these in the poor and, what, how, how do you allocate your resources globally as well? Yeah. So when we started Eventide, um, we were praying through this. We even were figuring out if there's a way to do this as a nonprofit. Because we wanted uh, to really think about this as belonging to God. Yeah. And ultimately, legal advice we received was that we're on the business of making a profit. So we're a for-profit that gives away profits. So we, we wrote right into the, into the operating agreement that a large portion of our profits, well above 50%, goes to charity. So our CFO, so my profits, Finney's profits, every year, our CFO automatically puts that into a foundation, a donor-advised fund, so that we don't even see it. And then hopefully from our own salary and bonus and profits, we are, we're donating more. And so we have lots of different things that we're excited about that we're partnering with. Uh, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to help build a school in at the border of uh, Lebanon and Syria for Syrian refugees. Mm -hmm. um, and then a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity also to co-found a school 
in India for young women, for girls. Uh, the plight of young women in India is very difficult, especially if you come from poor backgrounds. Um, so we started a school to really empower really smart, bright young people who just need access to education. And uh, so, uh, you know, if you even just, so, so I've had the opportunity to visit the families of many of these girls. If you look at the homes they live in, where they come from, it's just mud floors, uh, leaking ceilings. They're sleeping on the floor. Uh, it's usually one room with a bed in it and a kitchen, that's it. No bathroom, no living room. And uh, these parents can't even pay for their daughters to take the exam, the state board exam. In India, everything is exam oriented if you wanna get into school. And the rich have send their kids to very good schools and also pay a lot of money for tutoring programs. Um, I was so proud because last year uh, was our first graduating class. Every single student, it was the first class had 20 students in it, but every single student uh, placed within the top 10% of the state the state exam. So every single student and every single student was placed in top universities in India and were paying for the full tuition as well. And one of our students is actually here in the US studying and she, she will be an intern at Eventide um, this summer. So I'm just so happy with the work. The name of the school is Darsha. It's a name of uh, a girl, it's a girl's name in India, Darsha Academy. Uh, and uh, Darsha means to be, to have vision, to perceive further. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I am more passionate about, whether it's Eventide or Darsha, but I, I'm just thankful that God has given me this opportunity. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of synergy across the two, right? They're not they're not wholly apart, but you know, I understand having lots of passion <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as yeah. well. Um, you know, and it's it's interesting. You know, you've done all of this with with the money with the margin you have to invest in Darsha, right? And and investing um, in these cause based companies. And I love it because Eventide is one of the few I think investment management companies that we can look to and say, no, 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 um, investing in good business, investing in companies that are doing good things and causal business also makes your customers, right, who are giving you their assets to invest more money, right? So you don't have to do it in a nonprofit space. And I love this for, for students when you think about, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about your story and um, you didn't know when you started out, like, oh, I'm going to build a six and a half billion, you know, plus <laughs> dollar investment firm. And I'm going to, you know, make lots of money that we can invest in great things. Um, you kind of learned along the way, right? Um, and I think that's a hard thing. I work with a lot of 20 to 20, five-year-olds to, you know, 50-year-olds who are still trying to figure out what they want to do in life. And you you jumped in with me, but you jumped in and built expertise along the way. Could you talk about that? Like from small group to six point, did you say eight? Yeah, so it's a little bit over six and a half billion under management. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, having a strong purpose a personal purpose that aligns with the purpose of the work you're doing, the purpose of the company. And with Eventide, I was able to discover that. And that gives me just such joy in my work every day. And uh, the purpose statement of Eventide is that Eventide strives to honor God and serve its clients by investing in companies that create compelling value for the global common good. 
And our tagline is investing that makes the world rejoice. And uh, that comes from the Bible verse in Proverbs. Uh, I know you're a student of Proverbs. Yes, I love uh, Proverbs. There are two, yeah, there are two verses in Proverbs. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Yeah. But when the wicked prosper, the people groan. The Bible also says in Proverbs that when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. And when the wicked are defeated, there are shouts of joy. Like, I am just so excited and passionate about the work we do here. And sometimes people ask me, Robin, when you started Eventide, were you anxious? What if you failed? And, you know, my response is that I felt like I was a failure before Eventide. I was trying to do things my own way, trying to make money. I was a failure. Before we started Eventide, Finney and I spent six months in prayer, actually. And we would fast and pray together once a week. And because of that, I just felt such conviction that we were doing the right thing and that God was leading us. And whether Eventide was successful or, or, or not, I felt I was doing the right thing. And that's what mattered. And so because of that, I never felt anxiety. I still don't. Like when we go through hard times, I just say, God, it belongs to you. You know, as long as uh, I am being faithful, I hope I am being faithful. As long as I am, like, I feel like the results will be the results. And that's up to God. I love it. Throughout your testimony, you do hear, um, you know, I think we all maybe not take it for granted, but I think any of any faith, especially for Christians, you know, prayer is hugely important. And sometimes we think of personal prayer. But uh, I, I love the part of your story where you just hear you prayed in community. And, you know, you being in conversation with, with Finney and God, <laughs> you know, really moved you from your initial ask, which was, you know, what does Robin John do with his life to what can we do? And I just love that how transformative praying in community can be. And I think we, we kind of take prayer for granted, but it's definitely shaped a lot of your story. And I'd love to hear, you know, I think I've, I've learned in my own career, I've had successes, I've had failures, I've had big failures that people, everybody saw, I've had, you know, private failures that we hope nobody <laughs> finds out about maybe. Um, but what are, the, what are some lessons you've learned from the good and the bad in your life? And um, how has God used, you know, that, that sense of failure? And I think we heard that come through in purpose and passion. Um, so what would you like to talk about? What have you learned from the good or the bad? <laughs> over the years that has kind of shaped where you are today yeah we're all you know failures in so many ways and uh uh you know you know my you know my life you know there, there's so many regrets i could easily look back on that but but i know god is faithful and i often remember the verse in first corinthians i believe it's chapter one verse nine god who has called you into fellowship with the son jesus christ our lord is faithful and so I am just wanting to submit myself to God, who is faithful. And I often think about uh, the story of Joseph. You know, Joseph in uh, Genesis uh, chapter 50, verse 20, I think, uh, you know, he talks about, um, he tells his brothers, you know, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. But he doesn't stop there. But he says, for the saving of many lives, right? So. Even in what could feel like a failure, even in what could feel like a disappointment, I think like if you really trust in God and God is leading you, at the end of that journey, you're going to look back and say like God took me through that for a purpose. And uh, so I have so many examples of that. Um, I didn't mention it, but the job I uh, lost, I was fired from. And 
And I was walked out in a very humili humiliating way from that job. And I was living with my, with my parents and wow. at the time, and I did not want them to know that I've hired. So every morning I would wear, I would put on my jacket and leave the home and act like I'm going to work. And I would just sit in the library for, I did this for weeks and just sit there looking for jobs, come back and act like I just came back from work. And so at the end of the day, uh, you know, um, like I needed to go through that situation. Yeah. And, and that gives me empathy when somebody is struggling at eventide even, you know, because I've gone through that situation. So at the end of the day, God is faithful and we just got to really trust God and, and trust that he's a good God. Yeah, I love that. You know, uh, Genesis 50, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's one of the, like the early, like, yeah, I think it's one of the first miracles where like the whole world is saved. It actually says the whole world was saved. You know, like the known Egypt was like the empire, right? And um, I, I love it because really the miracle that saved the world was a really big warehouse. So from a supply chain perspective, <laughs> Joseph's ability yeah. to build a food warehouse that saved people during famine. But you're right, like his career trajectory, you know, he went from dad's favorite to slave, to falsely yes. imprisoned, to still yes. a servant. Like even at the peak of his career, he was a servant to Pharaoh. He wasn't Pharaoh, right? right. Um, and I, I think, you know, we think that our, our career trajectory, we hope it will be like, you know, we're climbing the corporate ladder from success to success. And Robin, I just really appreciate your, your um, you know, humility and sharing, you know, it, we learn from, you know, the stumbles, we learn from the failures, the things that in the moment we're ashamed of that really shape us so that we can pursue with passion what God's really called us to and, yes. the, and the skills that God's given us to serve him well. And so I'd love to hear, I mean, I, I think some of your passions come through in how you talk, but if you're going to define them, what would you say some of the passions are that God's given you? The problem with me is I got way too many passions and I think <laughs> I, I stress it. everybody well, out. Them down. Tell them, tell yeah. them all. <laughs> yeah, so um, my wife and I, she's very different than me. And she told me, you know, like when I'm trying to like lie in bed and fall asleep, that's not the time for you to share all your passions with me. <laughs> There's always something new every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very passionate about work. Uh, I think work is a good thing. You know, we read that in Genesis. And, uh, you know, I love work, work that is meaningful. And, I love the work that we do at Eventide. I'm passionate about business. I'm passionate about the power of uh, investing and the allocation of capital to change the world. I'm, I'm really passionate about my family and my children and my wife. I am passionate about my family. I think I'm too passionate about India, like just uh, the history, the rich history and just the diversity. And I am passionate about basketball. Mm -hmm. competition in general. Mm -hmm. uh, Finney and Jason, the two founding members of Eventide and uh, the, the, the managing partners along with me, they say, Robin, it's so easy to get you to do anything. We just have to tell you, you cannot do it. And then you'll do, you, you'll do everything to get it done. So there's this competitive like, like striver or something inside of me. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I get passionate about a lot of things. So people ask me, what would you do if you didn't have Eventide? I have a million things I would like to like to do. Uh, I would love to bring like South Indian food uh, and the culture into Boston through a restaurant. I would love to start like a basketball shoe sneaker company that provides jobs to inner city uh, inner cities here in America. Uh, I would love to. 
um, sound like a Whole Foods type of a uh, store in South Dallas, which is where there's no supermarkets. Mm -hmm. uh, people are buying groceries in uh, basically liquor stores. Wow. I used to live in Dallas for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I think I have way too many passions and too many ideas. I love it. I can I can speak from a, a Stoll's passion, you know, kind of zone that my husband would definitely vote for the South Indian food to be the first venture. He believes <laughs> that we will all be eating curry in heaven. I mean, it's the largest population in the world. It makes sense that that will be the main cuisine of heaven. So I'm 100% for that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just brought in some South Indian homemade biryani. Uh, into the office and people are enjoying it right now as we speak. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love yeah, it. I yeah. think, you know, food food is, there's so many food miracles in, in the Bible. I think we need more food miracles in our day-to-day -day lives. Yes. <laughs> in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, so I love this, as, as, especially like students and throughout our careers, we we take times where we do reassess, you know, and, um, you know, maybe, maybe you lose your job, you get fired from your job, or even tide totally shifts in the future and you're like, all right, it's, South Indian curry time, or it's <laughs> um, time to start the shoe shop or the or the the Whole Foods um, type business. Um, and one of the things that we're we're looking at and kind of questioning, God God gives us all unique gifts, right? It says the Holy Spirit gifts each and every single one of us in the church. Um, have you been, like become aware, you know, throughout your journeys of specific strengths that you have that you know God has activated in you to serve the kingdom? And how did yes. you find those strengths? Yeah, uh, that's been just, I think the number one thing is being humble and, mm -hmm. and speaking to others and asking them to tell you. And, uh, you know, I try to exercise that. You know, Finney and Jason, the two other founding members, they are very open and honest with me. And I try to be honest with them as well. And uh, I even send an employee survey to the whole company every year. Uh, you know, where employees could anonymously speak to me and tell me how I'm doing. What am I doing well? What am I not? And I try to surround myself with a team that totally complements me so that that I could focus on the areas that I'm doing well in and get help where I'm not doing well. So continue to build a team that complements each other. And just be humble and, and understand, hey, you know what? There are areas where I'm just not good and I'm not strong. And uh, I think a lot of business leaders, you know, I think they want too much credit, especially when they're kind of building something from scratch. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for them to let let go of that uh, that credit. And uh, so so they try to hold on to the things that may be the most glamorous. And so uh, I think uh, just having humility and understanding your weaknesses and your strengths and bringing a team around you, even when you're losing credit, that's okay focus on the mission and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, I love that. And I, you know, and it, your humility and your your ability to listen really, really does come through just in interacting with you. And it's, it's really, um, it's really godly and it's really inspiring. And you don't always find that in, in people that are in the position that you're in. Um, so I, I, I love to think about this. Like we know that you, you know, you prayed with Vinny, you had people that were aligned with you in terms of um, being Christian and kind of worldview. Um, how do you reach out to people in your company uh, that are not Christians, that are in your organization, even tied, that's there to serve and honor God? Um, how do you listen to them and how do you engage, you know, people that may have diff slightly differing values or different ways of approaching their values? Um, how do you listen to them and take in, you know, what they have to say in your organization? Yeah, 
that is extremely important. Yeah. And, you know, at Eventide, we have a very diverse team. And we have Christians here, we have Hindus, we have uh, Jewish people, non-Christians, um, conservatives, liberals. But I am extremely uh, focused on mission and values. And I tell our team that it's not about faith alignment in terms of our culture, it's about mission and values alignment. And I say, if I have to choose between culture and growth, I'm always gonna choose culture. We have to preserve what we started, the mission and the values of the organization. And so we do have a lot of interesting conversations and uh, without getting into too, many, too much details, I remember uh, you know, one of our people who came to me and was emotional about something that they had heard. And at the end of the conversation, they said, Robin, even when I don't fully agree with your values, I trust your heart. And then uh, gave me a hug. And that person, that was, it was a couple of years ago, still very happy at Eventide. And so, uh, you know, we have to, in the hiring process, be very clear about what our mission and values are so that people are not surprised after joining the company. Uh, I, I think the diversity makes us better. Uh, I see other firms, other organizations where that doesn't have that diversity. Mm -hmm. And I see the way that they even represent themselves to the world. And I, I cringe because I don't even know that they understand how they are being perceived, how they come across. Because we have such diversity inside of our organization, I think it makes us better even how we are coming across to the whole world. Yeah, yeah, and definitely if, um, you know, if the number one call of a Christian is loving God and loving neighbor, you know, and that's how we fulfill all of the law and the prophets, uh, we, you know, it's not limited to our Christian neighbors, it's, you know, it's the whole world, it's loving the whole world and expressing that love, um, it's really well said, um, and I love that choosing culture over growth, that's a really great mindset, you know, just for, for listeners to think about, you know, what does it look like to um, to do that and well. Is there anything I didn't ask you about in the in the last half hour before we close that you're like, wow, I can't believe you didn't ask me about this or everybody should know this about Eventide. Um, you asked me everything that I expected. Um, you know, I, I think you and I think extremely alike. And mm -hmm. I started going through your book as well. And the long-term thinking, uh, you know, humility in, in terms of management teams, stakeholder view, stakeholder approach to, in, to business. I think we're so aligned. Maybe if I have to say one thing I'm surprised by, you haven't asked me the name, you know, how we came up with the name Eventide. Yeah. Or the name Gilead, the name of our first fund. Uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, that's something I get excited talking about. So Eventide means evening in huh. Old English, the King James Bible. And it's a reminder to me and to the founders and to the whole company that we're living in the, in the end times. We're living in the in, in the evening, and but there's good work to be done. Uh, there is a old English hymn called "Abide with Me, Fast Falls the Eventide," mm -hmm. and it was the favorite hymn of uh, Mother Teresa. It was sung at her funeral. It was also the favorite hymn of uh, Mahatma Gandhi in India. So wow. that hymn is if you, you go to YouTube and search Indian Republic Day. Uh, abide with me, you'll see that the Indian army marches to the beat of that song. And so being wow. from India is, is, is special for me. So eventide means evening. And uh, we believe that there's good work to be done, uh, even though we are, you know, even though, you, you know, 
both eschatologically but also in our own lives, there is an evening coming. So let us be focused on doing good when there's still time. Gilead means mountain of witness, hill of testimony. And that's what we were praying that we could be. And yeah. so that's still our prayer today. Yeah, I love that. I love that mountain of witnesses. And I didn't know that about Gilead. I didn't know that about Eventide. So thank you for, for answering the questions I didn't know to ask. <laughs> but I, I do love that because I, I, I love the concept of the mountain of witnesses or the crowd of witnesses because, you know, I, I, I think it's Paul that says that they're cheering us on. And they're rooting, yes. like heaven is rooting for us to do good in this yes. life. Yes, in Hebrews, uh, we also read that, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. So maybe not Paul or Peter, the, the author of <laughs> Hebrews says <Yes>. <laughs> that, yeah. that heaven is rooting for us. And um, I'm not definitely all of heaven. I'm just trying to, you know, survive the evening with a lamp that doesn't go out, but I'm rooting for you too. And I love the work that you're doing at Eventide. Um, Robin, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation and um, for all of your insights. It's just been really, really wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much.